Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome back again. Thank you for joining us again. We're in the middle of a study. For those of you that haven't been with us, uh, we may leave you with some question marks, but you can write to us and we can fill in the gaps for you. Our study has been on the Godhead. Is he one? Is he two? Is he three? And we went through scriptures that you could, from certain scriptures, say, yes, he's one, yes, he's two, yes, he's three. In fact, there's some you can come up with maybe even more because it talks about the seven spirits of God. So there's, it's a big, big study, but it is an important study. And so I want to read a scripture to you and um, we'll, pick up, we'll pick up from there and go on. We're using some graphics to show you, illustrate to you the very subjects that we're, we're, we're talking about. I'd like to read to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Jesus was their comforter, and now they're looking for another one. That he may abide with you forever. Of course, that's going to be sending the Holy Ghost. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. So notice now, they haven't known the Holy Ghost. This is before Pentecost. And yet here's Jesus saying, you know him. Why? Because it's the same spirit that was in him, that Logos life. For he dwelleth with you, that Christ, that anointing, that Logos that was in Jesus, and shall be in you. So in the Old Testament, it's God above us. With Jesus, it's God with us. With the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's God in us. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world sees me no more, but you shall see me because I live. You shall live also. At that day, you shall know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. If that's a little bit of a mystery to you, let me read it to you again. At that day, believe it or not, that's this day. You shall know that I am in the Father, Jesus speaking, and you in me, and I in you. Let's continue on with our study now. We had taken our subject of Jesus Christ, and we started way back when Jesus, when, excuse me, when the invisible God wanted to declare himself. This is back before there was an air, an atom, a molecule, a sun, a moon, an earth, nothing. Just the e eternal God. And this eternal God had in him desires, attributes, things that he wanted to declare to his people that we might know him, Jehovah, the self-existing one who reveals himself. So out of God then came this form, this body that's called in, in, in uh, biblical terms a celestial body, in, in theological terms a theophany, a word form body. Out of God then came this creation of this word form body that the Bible says was the, was the firstborn of every creature. And once this came out from God, it was the Son of God in a prefigure, now making the eternal spirit a father, because out from him had come something. But now the father of the life of every father is in the blood that's in the child. And so now we found, we found as we traced it through that when the Logos came out from God, 
God actually stepped into that form, and that form we know as Christ. So if the purpose of the first Son of God was to declare the Father, and we find that repeated in John when the Logos was made flesh, the Word was made flesh, that His purpose was to declare the Father, then that would be our purpose also as children of God. Our purpose is to declare the Father. So we trace the Logos on down through. We saw various manifestations in the Old Testament. One was Melchizedek, a uh, king of Salem, without father, without mother, without beginning of days or end of life. God making a materialization and manifesting himself to Abraham. There's some types and shadows there that we don't have time to get into, but they're very interesting. Some other time we may, we may, we may touch on those. And then Christ was that uh, pillar of fire by night and cloud by day that led the children of Israel, taking on various forms. When Moses said, let me see your glory, he saw him as the back part of a man, God taking on a form. God takes on any form he wants, but it can still be the life of God in that form in varying measures. And then we came following the word all the way up now until the word is going to be made flesh. And then now on the screen, you'll see Joseph and Mary standing, uh, sitting by the Christ child in the manger. And then that Christ child was the word made flesh. So this Logos emblem that we've been looking at, all the attributes of God are dropped into that little child now. But the actual Logos life that we see above in the picture there was not yet into the child. That didn't happen to Jesus until the River Jordan. Now we get to Jesus at the River Jordan <clears throat> the Word went to the prophet. Jesus was the Word. The Word joins to the prophet. The Word of the Lord comes to the prophet, the Bible says. And then now, with Jesus in the water, the Scripture says that the Spirit of God, like a dove, came down into that vessel. Now God has joined Himself to the Word, or now the Word is quickened into manifestation. And now we have the fullness of the Godhead bodily on earth, in a tabernacle called Jesus Christ. So Jesus now is the fullness of God. Prior, he was the Word, but not yet quickened to manifestation. Now he moves into his ministry. Now, John, uh, John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of the Lord. And we had an event in June 1933 that uh, probably almost no of you, uh, none of you know about. But on the Ohio River, right here in the United States, as a man named William Branham was down on the Ohio River baptizing converts, there came a great light down out from heaven and a voice spoke out from that light and said, as John the Baptist will forerun the second coming of the Lord, so your message, your word will forerun the coming word. And so we've already had an announcement. The ministry didn't begin in fullness until, until the very, actually the very same time that Israel became a nation, around 1946-47, that's, that's when this ministry began to be and actually started a revival among the Pentecostal, Pentecostal people. Now back to our Godhead bodily. <clears throat> when Jesus went to Golgotha, excuse me, went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, there he committed himself to Calvary and the Spirit of God lifted from him because he couldn't die with eternal life in him. Now remember, he was the Word who was quickened. Now the quickening power lifts from him 
there because he can't die with eternal life in him. So that's why we're showing you this image with the dove above him now, because that same life that made him the fullness of God had to move back, but yet he's still the word. So consequently, this word on the cross means that all those attributes of God, which would include you and I, whose names are on the Lamb's Book of Life, those who are there, these attributes of God were still in him because he went to Calvary, the fullness of the word. So then in then all those whose names were on the Lamb's Book of Life, here, here this whole, the whole book is represented in him here. All those names that were on the Lamb's Book of Life are now nailed to the cross. So in symbolism, you paid your price in him on Calvary, and then your recognition of the word that God sends to the age identifies you back to the blood of Jesus Christ that you can claim what he did for you. Now, if you want scripture for that, that's 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, that's you and God, and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. So therefore, it's recognizing what God is doing in your day that links you back to Calvary, where all those whose names are on the Lamb's Book of Life, the Revelation 13 says that will not be deceived by the beast system. They're identified here. You're identified here. And uh, the joyous part of it is you can't be charged for the crime again. You already paid your price in Jesus. When Jesus then died, he was with his uh, saints there for a period of time on earth. And then he gathered them up on a mountain and then he ascended up to the throne and they all watched him in his, in his ascension. Now, this is the part I went to. He went up to the throne. He's sitting on the Father's throne, the scripture says, not on his own throne yet. Now, here he is now. We got him represented sitting on his throne. And then down on the right-hand side, there's, there's that upper room down in Jerusalem. Now, scripture has prophesied something's going to happen. It's the day of Pentecost. So that very life that was in him, that quickening power, separates out. We've got our little dove now representing that quickening power has to come down, but it can't come in the form of a dove. We find that it's that Logos life, that it goes into the upper room in the form of tongues of fire, which is the pillar of fire breaking itself up. Now watch that again so that you get it. When Jesus ascended on high, Christ, which is the Logos, had finished his work in that form, the body that paid the price for our sins. And so that form was no longer needed. Now it was going to become a many-membered body. So that same life now departs out of that body. Remember, he said, I am now with you, but I shall be in you. He goes down to the upper room. Now here's the scriptures that show you what's supposed to happen on at that time. Acts 2.1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, as it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So this cloven tongues of fire was actually the pillar of fire that Christ had taken in, the for, in the for, uh, that form in the Old Testament and was dwelling in fullness 
in Jesus of Nazareth, he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now that same life was going to be in measure in the apostles and the believers gathered in the upper room. And so that same life now that was in him is going to be divided so that now God is not dwelling in one body, Jesus of Nazareth, but now in the body of believers, the true church. So it's not another God or another God person of the Godhead, but it's always the same God taking on these various forms. I'd like for you to read with me what a prophet said about this subject. You'll find some wonderful comparisons here. Now a double portion of Elijah's spirit came on Elisha, and he done twice the miracles that Elijah did in a double portion of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to notice, Elijah had a robe as a symbol. A robe was what he was wrapped in, and it was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And as he went up, he watched and the robe fell back uh, from the chariot and he picks up the robe and laid it upon his own shoulders and went down to Jordan and started doing miracles. And Jesus, the baptism that he was, excuse me, the baptism that he had was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was in him that come on him at the river Jordan after he was baptized in water John bear record seeing the Spirit of God like a dove coming upon him and notice then when he went up, he sent back the same robe that he was wrapped in, the Holy Spirit upon the church. I don't know whether you've ever watched symbolism like this in the scripture or not shadows laying and typed out, but it's a wonderful thing to see. Once you begin to see these things, how the scripture will open up to you in a much deeper meaning. Questions and answers from by the prophet of God, 1964. When man was made in the image of God, that's Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that image was that Logos form that we talked about previously. And then God came down in the image of man, that's when Jesus, God stepped into the man, Jesus, the tabernacle, Jesus, to redeem man, that man and God, that brought man and God together. Heavens and earth hugged and kissed each other God and man embraced each other as the fatherhood and sonship when the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, I came from God and I go to God. Is that right? And after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, when the body was taken up to sit at the right hand of God. Now, I don't mean God's got a right hand. God's a spirit. But at the right hand means in power and authority of God that in that name, everything in heaven is named after it and subject to it. Continuing on. <clears throat> Everything in earth is named after it and subject to it. A name above all names, Jesus Christ. Now this Logos that was in him, which was the Spirit of God, the anointing through that sanctifying grace of the blood brought many sons to God, which are anointed with that same Logos. Do you get it? God, the Logos, separating himself into men. God, not in one person. He's in his church universal. That's the reason Jesus said, the works that I do shall you also and more. Now I know the King James says greater, but that's not a right translation there. More than this shall you do. God was bottled and confined in one man, Jesus Christ. But now he's bottled and confined in the whole universal church of the living God. Oh, friends, if only the church could recognize what they are on earth as the manifestation of God. 
we find that after Jesus sent back his robe, the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, we find now this same Logos was in the apostles and it says that they were ignorant and unlearned, but when they watched them, they knew they had been with Jesus for they saw that same life and same supernatural ministry that was in Jesus living out in the book of Acts. But that same Logos life, God put into word form. And right here in the Bible, in print form is the potential for that same life. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So when God quickens his word to you, there's a life that comes with it. When you listen to the preaching of the word, if it's pure, a life comes with it. When you read the word of God and get the revelation of it, a life comes with it and you'll find it is a transforming power. Satan has a deforming power, but God has a transforming power. Now we come up to the church ages now. It's represented in Revelations chapter one, the seven churches of Asia, represented in chapter one as seven golden candlesticks. So we're going to use the symbolism that the Bible used representing the seven churches, seven Gentile churches of Revelations chapter two and three, which represent the Gentile era. They were all Gentile churches, the churches of Asia. And so we're still speaking about the Logos. You see on the picture here, the image that out from the invisible God came the Logos, which we found was the Christ, the anointing. So we're still tracing that same anointing that we've worked on in the past. So here's the church ages now as they come, come through the ages. Now let's watch this Logos life. Over here was the Son of Man to the Jews. It was that Logos life that Jesus called himself the Son of Man. So the Word made flesh was materialized and shown in its fullness to the Jews. But he didn't call himself Son of Man through the church ages. He calls himself Son of God because God is a spirit. So he came in the form of Holy Spirit. Then he promised in Luke 17, 30, that at the end of the ages, he's going to be revealed as the son of man. In the millennium, he'll be the son of David. So this same life that has been working its way through the ages, now watch what happens here. I want to use symbolism of the colors of the rainbow. The Bible talks about the seven spirits of God. That's the anointing on the seven churches or seven church age messengers through the ages. Now, God is light, but when you pass light through a three-sided prism, it breaks into a seven-color rainbow. And that's exactly what the power of God did, the anointing on Christ, in that he has passed himself through the three-sided offices of Father, Son, and, and Holy Ghost and broken that power down into a seven-color rainbow. So Christ in each age, we notice the first age a color of the rainbow wheel, using it, this is illustration, it is a red, and then the next anointing on the next messenger and the next messenger, so that a portion of Christ is, is manifested on each church age messenger through seven church ages. But there's a promise that at the end of the age, this revealing of the Son of Man is to take place. So to do that, it takes the fullness. So therefore, a message comes to earth at this time that will open the seven seals, reveal the Bible, and then that all the truths of all the ages will be gathered back into one final manifestation on earth that will show the sun revealing of the Son of Man. 
And I don't want to shock you, friends, but this has already happened. This is not Jesus Christ coming to the earth as we have always been taught at this point. This is a revealing of the Son of Man, Luke 17, 30, that has already taken place. And we can share that with you should you ask or should you just keep following our broadcast. We'll, we'll be sharing that more with you. I want to back up now so you can see what happened. Here's Jesus on the cross. And then in John 12, 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Where in the part of the United States where we live, this is wheat and corn uh, and soybean country. And so for each grain that a farmer puts in the ground, at harvest time, that grain has multiplied and duplicated itself many fold. So Jesus represents on the cross that seed of the fullness of the word that was to go into the ground. So when he died, that little seed went into the ground. And we're going to jump forward now in time to not explain what happened in the early church ages, but rather that seed was buried during the dark ages. And then at the end of the dark ages, that life began to manifest under the Lutheran movement. Just a little bit of life springing up out of the ground. It isn't the fullness, but it's the life of Christ beginning in manifestation in, the Luther, in Luther's movement, teaching the just are saved by faith. And then the plant grows on as the Wesleyan movement brought more word. They believed in the just are saved by faith, but they realized there was a second work of grace whereby a believer can be sanctified from the desire of sin. The little wheat plant is growing. And then came Pentecost, which brings us up where the head is forming on the wheat. And of course, when Pentecost began, they actually all thought that it was the final restoration of everything. But it actually was only the shuck that holds the grain. The grain is the word. So Pentecost formed the place where the word could be brought and manifested and declared. But it wasn't the word. And then at harvest time, the message opens the seven seals and reveals Christ in a supernatural ministry. And the, and the scripture on the left, you can read it on your screen there, Mark chapter 4. And so now a supernatural ministry has manifested to give us a display of what it looks like to see fully ripe wheat, mature wheat on display. That ties to... Uh, the book of Leviticus, where we talk about the wave sheaf offering. When we talk about harvest time, because we can't harvest until the wheat has been duplicated in the head, here's the way it progresses in a message. Brother Branham spoke in 1963, we're almost in the seed time, the harvest, that was in August 63, 53, I'm sorry, and then in March of 63 in the end time seed sign, he says, don't you see that seed time is here now? The harvest time, the things the Bible said would come to pass. And then in 1965, seed is not air with the shuck book. It's seed time, bride time. The shucks are dead. Shucks are dried up. It's virgin word time. So it shows that things have been progressing. But just as it was in the days of Jesus of Nazareth, the believers were watching what God was doing and fulfilling his word. 
But the organized church of the day knew nothing about it. In fact, they were fighting against it. And sad enough to say, friends, very similar incident has taken place today. God is fulfilling scripture, just continually fulfilling scripture, getting ready to wind up his work with the Gentiles and turn his attention back to the Jews. But the church nominal is totally unaware of what God is doing. We're using this pyramid to illustrate something to you that God through the ages has poured his spirit into seven church ages, a measure to each age, just as we showed you previously. And so the Lutheran movement represented water, Wesleyan movement blood, Pentecostal movement spirit. That's the three ingredients necessary for birth, water, blood, and spirit. Just think a minute now, natural birth, water, blood, spirit. In a spiritual birth, it takes the very same thing. So God has now, up through Pentecost, Laodicea, God has given us every necessary ingredient for birth. And then the missing capstone, symbolized by the Great Pyramid in Egypt. Now when that comes, it's Christ himself comes to cap the entire church ages, and Christ comes in the form of the Bride of Christ through a message that has been revealed to bring the true church back to the fullness of the word. The ministry that came, the Elijah ministry, the prophetic ministry that came, God said, lest, said if he didn't send Elijah, he had to send Elijah, lest the whole world would be smitten with a curse. So it shows where the church is, friends. It's in bad shape. God send a, had to send a prophet with a restoration of the word to tell the people who they are and what they are in the scriptures. And that's the very purpose of this series of broadcasts that we go through with you each week, friends, to show you who you are and what you are in Christ through the unveiled mysteries that have been brought to us in this last day, a message that God has sent for your sake and my sake. Behold, I send unto you Elijah the prophet. For more information on today's subject, write to us and request the DVD Focusing on the Godhead. Our address is Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio, 45801 in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. As always, today's program, The Godhead Explained, is available on DVD. Please send us a note with your thoughts on the program and any topics you'd like to see covered or what God is doing for you. Thank you for joining us. May our Lord Jesus Christ richly